everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 433, SPs and Escalades. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. So knowing you're an optimistic guy, I'm going to give you the good news <laughs> first because I know that's what you're going to ask. No, I was going to say bad news first. You know, I know you were. Drop me down, well, gonna, drop me down, then pick me up. Well, I'm going to pick you up first. They are no longer playing the sport of Quidditch, Eddie. Does that make you happy? It does, although it worries me as to what all those losers are going to be doing with their free time. Well, now they're going to be playing quad ball because it's been officially renamed. <laughs> oh, okay. So it just makes it sound a little less. Actually, is quad ball? Quad ball sounds like it should just be out of a made up, like a made up sport in a movie, which I know technically that's what British is kind <laughs> are of anyway. Are you serious right now? That was the weirdest statement I've heard you make in a while. No, but you know what I mean? like a sport that magicians would play. No, but you know what I mean? Like quad ball sounds like basketball or something. I mean, uh, basketball. <laughs> uh, basketball is what I was trying to go for there. My mind is not, surprisingly enough, we're recording at this at a much earlier time than usual. And it seems that my brain has yet to switch on. It's just a normal day for you. <laughs> But yes, five five o'clock in the afternoon. And I apologize to any listeners concurrently probably getting maybe a little bit of background noise from the endless construction that's going on in Paris. This is electric toothbrush. He just cannot turn off. (laughs) He's having major (laughs) issues with electric toothbrush today. Yeah, I need some luck on my sports. Just trying to really get that that lucky fortune going. But yeah, so uh, the Major League Quidditch and U.S. Quidditch have officially announced they're changing to quad ball. For those not familiar with Quidditch, that would be the four balls used in Quidditch, the quaffle, the bludgers, and the snitch, I think. Um, but anyway, I think that's I think they're bludgers. That's the one I always forget about. Uh, but there's two reasons. The first one that they say first is they want to distance themselves from J.K. Rowling because of her uh, anti-trans positions. And then the second one that's hidden right below that is that they've been threatened to be sued about 150 times from Warner Brothers, who owns the copyright. So, so I like, I like, this, <laughs> no, no, but it's, yeah, I like this, yeah. like, put forward that they're trying to to put out there. But I think the real reason is hidden in that fine print there. So, um, yeah, this is totally, this is totally about her views on LG, LGBTQ plus uh, yeah. politics, and we're being potentially sued. Yeah, but ignore the suing part. Yeah, so. Uh, Yes, if, if you're interested in playing Quidditch now, just make sure to look up uh, quad ball in your local area. And I'm sure there'll be many quad ball tournaments. The greatest part about this announcement is I saw it on an, an article. There are three pictures in the article, and they are the epitome of Quidditch slash quad ball pictures. The comment section on those pictures is just quite epic. I mean, you they couldn't have picked better representative pictures than the three that they picked so you know how americans always love to have that debate of how good would we be at soccer if our best athletes played how good do you think like what would happen if lebron james turned up to play quidditch like what (laughs) what even happens like what does that look like it doesn't look like these pictures i can tell you that Uh, yeah, I guess good news, bad news. Is there is there further bad news? Is there something else I need to be more concerned about, or was it just the rebranding? Just the, the rebranding. Not in. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I had some news in the press actually that did get me. I woke up to the fact. I don't know if you saw. You know, we've been, well, you know, to use the terminology that all the kids like to use. I guess uh, you know we've been kind of Swiatek stands on this podcast, really trying to talk about how incredible her run at the beginning of the year was up until her defeat in Wimbledon. Up until it took a curse. I don't know if you saw the F. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw the ESPYs, but the ESPYs have a particular category, which is female tennis athlete of the year. She was one of the nominees. It was her, Ashley Barty, both of whom I think have very good uh, sort of like a nice 
CV when it comes to arguments in terms of why they should have won it. But it was won by someone who you know gets me slightly riled up, which Osaka? was Emma Raducanu. Oh. <laughs> no, she wasn't even nominated. And I can understand where they're coming from, you know, her achievement of in terms of winning the US Open as a teenager to be the first, you know, to win it as a qualifier as well. It was a remarkable achievement. But at the same time, since that moment, she's done very little. She's been knocked out early in pretty much every tournament she's taken part in. And it feels like you're giving her this award for the single achievement versus people who have put together good seasons or a good 12-month run, which when you're giving Athlete of the Year, it seems a bit strange to just award based on a single tournament. So, you know, we've discussed in the past the fact that Swiatek probably doesn't get the attention or recognition she deserves, probably because of her nationality. I think this is another great example. You just have a young British tennis player who most of the time gets knocked out, but hey, won one tournament and we can't forget her. Yeah. Yeah, that is... I don't know. I don't know why she would have won. I, I guess people. I don't know who even votes on this. Is this a fan vote? Good point. I, I think the SBS is a fan vote. At least most of the SBS is a fan vote. I don't know really. I, I can kind of understand that then because that whole like teenage phenom plays really well with fans. They love that story because I mean, if you look at some of the winners, because I did take a look at, at the winners. I didn't watch the SBS, but I did take a look at the winners, um, and there was a lot of. Uh, like best NFL player, Aaron Rodgers, best NBA player, Curry, uh, best MLB player, Otani, who then won best overall male athlete, which again, I get it, but I don't know if he was the best overall male athlete in every sport. Who, who else, who were the other candidates for that? Who was on the short list? I just saw the winners, but I'm assuming that whoever the best athletes, so probably Rodgers, Curry, among others. Hold on. The other three options were Steph Curry, Connor McDavid, and Aaron Rodgers. So you just had... Yeah. Which, can we just also say... Just just the winners of the other sports. I get that the SBs is a fundamentally... Like, it's ESPN. It is a very North American-focused network and appealing to a very North American-focused audience. But can you stop calling things like such general award categories when you're then, oh, who's the best... Uh, male athlete, uh, it, your choice is an American football player, an ice hockey player, a baseball player, and a basketball player. Like, no recognition for any other global sports. I mean, not even tennis. No. Because like, then they give, a, they give a best male and female tennis award winner. Yeah. So why not throw Nadal in there, who won for men's tennis? Yeah. No, I mean, it's... That's the only thing... And again, I get it. And every country is, you, you focus on the sports that you're interested in. It does consistently bother me when a number of the podcasts or TV shows that I watch where they will have those talking head discussions of who's the greatest athlete currently alive. And they do just focus entirely on American athletes. And this isn't a knock on America. They produce a fantastic number of really great athletes. And a lot of them would be in the discussion no matter what. But just the bl- putting the full blinkers on and pretending as if sports do not exist anywhere else you know, who's the greatest coach of all time? Let's not make any mention of anyone who might exist in a sport other than the ones you follow on a daily basis. Well, they did have, so this is another weird one. They had best international athlete, men's soccer. So I don't know if that means it's the best international soccer player or if that's the best international athlete, but they're only choosing in the sport of soccer. So they're only limiting international sports just to soccer slash, you know, European football, Who won which that? Mbappe did win yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, makes sense, I guess. The The funniest one of the SPs, though, Eddie, the, the best award is the best WWE moment, <laughs> which this year went to Cody Rhodes returns to WWE at WrestleMania. <laughs> That's kind of my other issue, too. And this is, again, not a knock on WWE. It is the people taking part are incredibly athletic. There's a lot of skill and hard work that goes into that. But if you are having sports awards, how on earth are you throwing the WWE in? I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, it is occasionally on ESPN now. Yeah, like, but, but like on Sports Center. But so is like, so are dog shows. Are we are we throwing like best male athlete? Well, this 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 dog won every dog show this year, so he definitely beats Steph Curry. <laughs> dog show or dog competition? Two different things. Oh, okay, <laughs> competition, I guess. Like, well, except they call it the Westminster Dog the Show. The jumping. 
that, yeah, that's, that's 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 the dog show. That's like for for best in show. But then they also have like the dogs jumping as far as they can into the water thing. Don't they do the competition? Don't they, they do that as part of the Westminster Dog Show? No, oh. no. The Westminster Dog Show is just the. Uh, for, for show. The other day I did see there There's was no action. I did see that like somehow it was on television when I just and I you know you, it's one of those things you flick over to and then you you just sort of stay for a moment and it was one of these I guess dog competitions not a dog show like the 2022 national champion and it is incredibly impressive what they're able to train these dogs to do and they are very quick and agile and stuff but the people attending the show themselves or the competition themselves lose their minds in the audience as these dogs are going on their runs. And I just don't know how into dogs you have to be like, maybe cause also you have to imagine they're sitting there. Maybe they're like, getting paid though to go crazy. No, I don't think so. I think these are just dog people, but they, you know, like also you're doing that for seven hours. It's not as if, Hey, here's five yeah. minutes of dogs doing incredible things. And you could kind of get yourself worked up over it. It is literally look at this dog go fast. Look at this dog go slightly faster. It's to are you talking about the agility? Yeah, the agility when course where they have to like go going up and down and through the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are pretty cool. But th- there's like the outdoor ones too, where they set them up and they throw the duck and they have to like run and jump into the water and catch the duck. Those are pretty cool too. We got like kind of sucked into watching one. We were at a bar once and we were just eating dinner and, and having drinks, and then it was on randomly on the TV, and you kind of get sucked into it a little bit. Because what's funny is then. ESPN obviously takes it overboard and they treat them like humans. So they'd be like, oh, here's Roscoe up. Roscoe is a seven-year-old coming from Anaheim, California, who trains it, blah, blah, blah. And they give you like all the stats out of it. They show like a little bio about like Roscoe. It's, so it's that's actually kind of funny if you take it lightly and not seriously like the people at the dog show sitting there for yeah. seven hours. <laughs> I'd put it in, I'd put it firmly in the same category of sort of world's strongest man. You can definitely get sucked in it in by it for a little bit, but I I don't think you can watch hours upon hours of it. Oh, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> that you can watch it's wrong. You can watch hours of World's Strongest Man. Yeah, for, they used to do marathons of them all the time on ESPN like 2 or 3 or whatever it was. <laughs> I could sit through the 30 but, minute I mean, once you once you've seen them the, the issue is once you've seen the year, you know what happens. I mean, they usually if, just be like the the finals. Okay, you say if you see in the year, you know what happens. But yeah, if you're following it, I, mean, I think for the average person tuning in, they don't know who any of them are. But again, I think it's a little bit like the dog show. Okay, this guy's lifting a really heavy thing. Oh, he 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 dragged that car slightly further. Like, there's a moment at which. I can't really appreciate the marginal differences between one and the other. And I've kind of got the, all, I've squeezed all of the, the entertainment out of it that I am going to be able to. <laughs> the last thing I'll touch on with the ESPYs is they had the best game, which is actually, I, I do like when they do things like this, like best play of the year and best game. Those are kind of cool, but they're usually always not the right ones. Uh, but this time I think they got the right one, which was, the Chiefs over the Bills in overtime in that AFC divisional game, the playoff game that just kept going back and forth with Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen. And I agree that was definitely the best game of the year. And it just made me very anxious for the start of next season. I, I just want these next two months to go by so we can start the NFL season and, and get some of those high quality games again. Yeah. I mean, not too far off, right? I mean, we're really close to the Premier League starting. I guess speaking of football, there's been a few more transfers, eh? Or official transfers, I should say. Yeah. I mean, the the big talking one is is Lewandowski signing for uh, Barcelona. I guess that's the, the big, big move. And surprising in some respects. I mean, surprising mostly. I know that yesterday, I think it was, Barcelona announced that they had raised, I think it's 300 million euros from a, a VC fund, a venture capital fund to basically- From a back, pyramid scheme? <laughs> to back their summer signings, pretty much. Like this is the only way they can justify their splurge. I mean, that's in, it's it's insane to me. I, I, I don't understand how they're so bankrupt and how they continue to keep doing this. Because I mean, even with that money, right? I'm sure they're still in the negative. Well, their debt is rumored to be about $1.3 billion. So, so yes. So, <laughs> so yes. 
yeah um and and then when you yeah you factor in the various signings that they signed Rafinha for sort of 50 million pounds I think it was around that amount then you've got Lewandowski signing for around 40 million pounds and I think with an additional sort of 10 million of potential add-ons uh you know so they've spent around 100 million pounds so far on transfer fees alone then you throw in the the wages that they will have uh, added to in you know neither of those players in particular Lewandowski there's no way that uh, those will come cheaply now I know that they did announce you know we talked a while ago a couple of weeks ago I guess about the the kind of rebranding of or this sort of adding a sponsor's name to a stadium and obviously the the camp new or what is typically called the new camp in English is now the Spotify Camp New. <laughs> I so like that. They've, they've, there you go. One point three billion. Of, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe Spotify is making a lot more money than I thought they were, but yes, it's a little bit. Conf- it just makes a mockery of the financial fair play rules in general, and I think that's the real issue. And in the end, the situation you have within European football is that the top clubs can flaunt all of these financial rules and regis- regulations and that the clubs that end up getting punished are the smaller ones. So you will get transfer embargoes that last a sizable portion of time or really meaningful fines that are applied to smaller clubs who either don't have the weight from a popularity standpoint or from a financial standpoint to f- battle them. And, you know, that's the issue. Like, fundamentally... UEFA and Spanish football are kind of treating Barcelona a little bit like they're too big to fail. And that's the problem. And so everyone else who's trying to compete with them, it's just in no way, shape or form a level yeah, playing field. It just make I don't get it. At what point is, would someone step in? Does it have to get to 2 billion in deficit before they actually step in and do something? You know, like at this point, I think Barcelona have figured out they're just going to keep doing what they do. And who gives a shit? Cause at, if they haven't stopped them at 1.3 billion, when, when are yeah. they going to get stopped? Yeah, and what they'll also know, right, is, and this summer has kind of pr- proven it, is that they'll always be able to get money from someone. So that some venture capital firm or investment fund is going to talk themselves into the idea of what a huge brand Barcelona are and the way that this is actually a sound investment. And yeah, we'll give them $300 million now and we'll get $500 million back on it over the next few years. So that makes sense. And worst case scenario, someone will buy them. You know, if absolutely shit really hit the fan and there were creditors asking for the money to be paid back, absolute worst case scenario, they put themselves up for sale and some billionaire comes in and clears all the debts and takes over the club and they're back to normal. So when you aren't punishing them for the financial indiscretions, there's just nothing, there's no risk there. So, you know, and again, it's just not fair on, you know, the other clubs in La Liga who are then trying to compete. And no one's trying to pretend that, you know, they're, it's not like the U.S. where the goal is parity within the leagues. Like there is no, I you know, no one tries to even pretend that there's some degree of parity within European football at any level. But when you are legitimately saying it's one rule for a couple of these clubs and very different rules for the rest of you, and that those rules are also going to stop you from ever catching up with them, because I mean, what you're you you are saying to these clubs is. You couldn't be bought by a billionaire and then just run as, as the way Barcelona are running themselves and just be financially irresponsible. Even if you had the money to do it based on who owned you, these financial fair play rules are going to limit how much you can spend, even if your owner was willing to invest that much. So you are just guaranteeing, you know, they shut down the concept of the European Super League. But then when you are running it like this, you are just guaranteeing that the teams at the top stay at the top and no one else has any possibility of catching up with them. Yeah. And I have to say one of the, takeaways for me was uh seeing the the signing become official and seeing uh Lewandowski in a Barcelona kit did not look right at all oh it looked very off just the fact that it wasn't just a straight red jersey right it just it it did it looked weird it looked very strange yeah I mean it's weird and look it's as as a as a Blackburn supporter right it's even even more peculiar because obviously he was so close to becoming a Black player all those years ago and had it not been for that how many times are we going to say that on this podcast Eddie you gotta let it go it's been 15 not years quite 15. <laughs> but I mean look it's one of those things that gets brought up almost every year you, you see an article that says hey crazy transfers that nearly I didn't see any this year <laughs> oh I promise you at some point there's going to be crazy transfers that nearly happened and that's going to be the one of the top ones but I, I can understand from his perspective you know in terms of him considering his legacy 
the fact that he, you know, he just kind of doesn't get the respect he deserves with the achievements he's had at Bayern Munich with all of the goals he scored and all the things he's helped them to win. Okay, maybe not in the most competitive of leagues, but still, and, you know, fairly consistent, good European performances. The fact that he's, you know, never been able to win a Ballon d'Or in seasons when you would have thought he, on paper, has achieved the most. I can understand him wanting to go to La Liga and feeling as if if he's able to have a couple of fantastic seasons there and maybe even help Barcelona win the la, you know win the league and maybe do something on in a, on a European stage that he could kind of cement get the recognition he probably feels like he deserves. If he were to have gone to the Premier League, where should he have gone? Um I mean ideally if City hadn't signed Holland, I think they probably would have Let's say they did. Let's say, let's so say they did. So current landscape. Like, yes. Uh, I mean, in some respects, the best place for him to go from a fit perspective might have been Manchester United, I guess. But then you're not getting Champions League football, so that's probably not realistic. I guess Chelsea, probably. You know, they, they've yeah. just... And so what do you think ultimately is the better move for him? Barcelona or Chelsea? <sighs> I mean, I'm a bit biased, but I probably would have said Chelsea. But then at the same time, I don't... Really? I think if you if he had gone to the Premier League and scored 25 goals, I think people would have given him a lot more credit for that than if he goes to La Liga and scores 25. I think people, even with Barcelona not quite having the team that they used to have at the moment, I think people will still kind of dismiss it as, well, yeah, but if you, if you start up front for Barcelona, of course you score goals. Everybody does. You know, so I think... He, I think he would have, unless they do have serious success in the Champions League, with it, and he really is the reason, which he would probably have to be given what their current squad looks like. I think if he'd gone to the, the difference being they could win La Liga, Chelsea probably can't win the Premier League. So in terms of winning things, he's gone to the better place. But I think in terms of really sealing his legacy and reputation, the Premier League would have probably been the better move. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think the exposure is going to be a little better there. But, you know, I was just wondering, because I like, would there have been a great fit for him? You know, because obviously City already have theirs. So, you know, with the whole United not in Champions League, that really fucks things up. So, yeah, I guess Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have maybe argued Arsenal as well. Um... I was going to say, if Sam were here, he could argue he'd be... He'd be a great fit for Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, he'd be a great fit for anyone, right? He's such a good player. Um, and if if Liverpool hadn't signed Darwin Nunes, maybe that would have been made sense for them as well. In some respects, I mean, they'd already sealed the Darwin Nunes signing, given the fact that they sold Sadio Mane to uh, Bayern Munich. You think that they could have, in other circumstances, they probably could have arranged some kind of swap deal even. Um, but... Although Lewandowski's wages may have been outside of what Liverpool were willing to pay anyway. So there's that possibility as well. Speaking, we, we give of other European transfers, one that isn't happening. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo has been trying to force himself out of Manchester United, right? But he did turn down. A, supposedly he had an offer of a table from an unnamed Saudi club. So whilst the Live Golf Tour is managing to convince people to join, they are... I was going to ask, is it the Live Golf Tour? You ruined my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Just go out there and hit it as far as you can. That would have been an interesting move. Do you think if, I mean, we, I'll finish. I I think he supposedly turned down £1 million a week, I believe was the salary he was rumored to be have, have been offered. So No. What? A million? Wait, how a much? A million pounds a week. £52 million a year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. For a second, I thought you said a million. Actually, a it might have been two like, million. No way. <laughs> I actually think it might have been two million a week, because I think it's like a hundred million a year, basically, is what they were offering him, which makes sense, you know, based on the type of money they're offering golfers. Why wouldn't you pay Cristiano Ronaldo a hundred million pounds a week to go and play in Saudi Arabia? But uh, it would have been if. Do you think if the Live Golf Tour had tried to get Gareth Bale and had just offered Gareth Bale fifty million dollars to come and play? And do you think he turned, he goes, you know what? I'll just become a golfer. If he, if he, if the Welsh team had agreed, we'll take you to the world cup, no matter what, but yeah, you can play, you can play golf. How close do you think he gets to pulling that? And like, how tempted do you think he would have been by that? 
I I think he might have done it. I mean, the real issue is I don't think the Live Tour would do it just because they're trying to legitimize themselves. I think this is if three years down the not even three, let's say two years down the line, if they haven't like gotten what they think they were going to get in terms of professional players and they're not super legitimate, I think they start pulling that. Like let's get let's get Michael Jordan to play. We'll give him we'll give him five million a tournament to gamble in addition to fifty million to join. I mean, you say that, but they're offering Charles Barkley. I mean, they're trying to bring Charles Barkley in as a commentator, and then they're also, I think, he's as a commentator. One of their, he's also going to be taking part in one of their pro ams or something that they're, but they're not really putting it forward as a pro am. It is much more of an entertainment golfing weekend. I don't think they're too far off from just starting to bring in, you know, like, hey, Steph Curry, do you want to come and play a couple tournaments and we'll pay you ten million dollars? I I don't think they're terribly far away. Charles Barkley, he's okay, renowned for being a bad golfer, so I don't think they want that. But if they could get athletes who think that they – if they could get athletes who are scratch golfers, I think they would probably do it for a tournament or two. I mean, the Michael Jordan one to me is a no-brainer because I can't imagine a world where you offer Michael Jordan basically free money that he can take to a casino that he's not going to – and play golf. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so I don't think Jordan would do it because he has tried to avoid political controversy throughout his career, right? I mean, it's his supposed famous quote of Republicans buy sneakers too, or I think he would look at this and think that it polarizes him too much. And everything Michael Jordan has done over the last you know, 40 years has been to stay as neutral as possible on pretty much every topic. But if you just so, put the word casino the in that contract... <laughs> I I think he t- I don't think I think he would turn it down. He would just see it as too much of a risk in terms of how it could impact his brand. But I there's a plenty of other players who would clearly do it. I guess we spend way too much on on the lift golf tour. So I kind of wanted to go back to the uh, Ronaldo. I don't know if you saw, but it was recently his 37th birthday, and his partner Georgina Rodriguez gifted him an eight-seater Escalade, Cadillac Escalade, that was 150,000 pounds. How do we feel about that? I didn't even know people bought Escalades anymore. I thought Escalades died with, like, in the 2000s. Well, they definitely do. And I'll give Ronaldo looks like an Escalade driver. He looks like someone who drives a Cadillac Escalade, if, if he's not driving a sports car. That's like his, like, people, that's, that's you, like his going to the grocery store car. I think there's no way he's driving that. That's he to looked be pretty driven. happy in it. Yeah, but I think that's a car you get given to be driven in. Like the, you know, that's a drive me around in my black. I'm assuming it's black. Yeah. Yeah, drive me around in my black Escalade and I look important. I think that's the move. I don't, I don't think you buy, it's like buying a Rolls Royce to drive. Like that's just not what you do. It's a car you're supposed to sit in the back seat and and be you know just sort of driven around in. Well, I, I, my question to you wasn't whether you think Ronaldo will drive this car. My question was more going to be along the lines of how do we feel about a partner getting someone a birthday gift when the person they're getting it for makes absorbent amount of, of money. Like, like, do you, is it even worth getting them this gift? If, if he really wanted a Cadillac Escalade, he could go out tomorrow and buy it with cash. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, is it really like a thoughtful thing to do? <laughs> well, sure. But I mean, at that point you're saying once you hit a certain net worth, people shouldn't give you presents anymore. That's basically no, what you're saying. I don't think people should give you like pricey presents at that point. Like, what's the point of getting something that's like, oh my God, I got you the top end Escalade. It's like, wow, great. I could have, could well, I could put that on my yacht. Like, you know, like, what's the point? There should be more thoughtfulness into the gift instead of just getting someone a, a really rich thing. <laughs> so you would have preferred she had taken a pottery class in secret for the last six months and made him a really shitty bowl. That would have been, or like a, like a, yes, yeah, like, like a, like a coupon gift, like a, <laughs> what do they call it? Like, the, like, a, like a, a, a Groupon? Yeah, like no, like a packet of coupon, like homemade coupons, like free massage, oh, free cleaning up the dishes. Nonsense. Yeah. 
I don't think anyone's, I don't think either of them are cleaning up any dishes. So, <laughs> so if it's Deshaun Watson, you just give him 300 free massage coupons. No, those are, those have all been voided. <laughs> um, get out of jail free cards. I think I get where you're coming from and who knows, maybe she added it. Maybe there is a more thoughtful gift that they just didn't discuss publicly. And maybe on top of that, that's just the showy gift that you give uh, so that you can post it on social media and everyone comments on the fact that he got given over, you know, so maybe there's multiple gifts within the birthday presents. And then that's just the one that they want to talk about. But I, I, I don't know. I think even if, you can still be given a gift that you know you could afford and you knew that you, you like know you could go out and buy at any time, but someone still doing it for you is still nice. Yes, no, no, no I, I agree. But I think that will be with certain things. Like if I needed something that was expensive and someone spent the money and got it for me, that's great. What I'm saying is Ronaldo must have what? 25 different cars? Does he really need a Cadillac Escalade? That's what I'm kind of saying. Is it's it's just a a literal dumping of money in front of him in the form of a car. It's not something he needed or really wanted. It's just like, hey, look, we've got a ton of money. Here's another car to sit in your garage. That's what like I maybe think he's, is kind of pointless. Maybe he's always spoken about the fact that he just loves a, 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 a you know Escalades and he's just never gone out and bought one and she's just had to listen to him talk about it endlessly and decided you know what here's thirty seven this is what I'm going to get it for you who knows I don't know maybe I, I doubt that but <laughs> probably not um, I'm almost surprised that he's buying cars in general I would have thought that he's just being given cars. I would have just thought there's like a Cadillac dealership near them and they're just going in and saying, and they say, Hey, Ronaldo, will you turn up to the sort of two corporate events the rest of the year? And we'll just, whenever you want a Cadillac, here it is. I would have just assumed that. I mean, we don't know if that was the case. We don't know if she did that. that, (laughs) That's a great move by her then. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your birthday present. And just so you know, on March 12th and November 13th, you have to, you have to go to this dealership in Manchester and just talk after. Completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. It's nothing to do with this. (laughs) Just happened. I got a notification about it. And I just wanted to remind you. I didn't want to forget. But there's a note on the car from the dealership. Completely unrelated. (laughs) Yeah. Switching gears, Eddie, to uh, American football, the, I guess, big news this week is Kyler Murray signing for the Arizona Cardinals for long term. So it's a five-year extension worth $230 million with $160 million guaranteed. That makes him the second highest uh quarterback in terms of guaranteed money obviously with Deshaun Watson getting 230 million guaranteed by the Browns and then Kyler Murray and then Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen right below at 150 million so uh, a very good contract and the consensus at least from what I've seen in most people in, in the media is that it wasn't it's not the greatest move by the Cardinals but they kind of had to do it because the alternative of what you're seeing in a lot of teams is if you don't have a consistent quarterback, you could waste four or five, even, you know, six, seven years trying to find your next potential franchise QB. And and I think the consensus was that you have someone who, when he's out there is a franchise QB, if he can stay healthy. And that's always what we've, you know, we've talked about this numerous times is that's the big if with him, but I think you kind of have to roll the dice because you might not get, you might not even get a draft pick to be able to get a franchise QB for, for another few years. So I think they had to do it. I, as a, as a somewhat Cardinals fan, I don't love it, but at the end of the day, when he is on the field, he's a great player. And if he can find a way to stay healthy somehow, even though I don't think there's much more you can do, you can't grow anymore. So I don't know how you do that, but you know, when he's out there, he's good. So, you know, I, I don't hate Yeah. That. I mean, I, I, I might temper the when he's out there, he's good. I, I mean, let's not forget the fact that the last time he stepped onto the field of the NFL, he produced one of the worst playoff performances in history. Everyone has bad games. Okay. He's also the rookie of the year. 
<laughs> yeah. And he was close to being an MVP before he got hurt that other season. So Okay, wow. A week seven MVP. Great. I'm, I, I agree with you. They didn't really have a choice. I think it was lose-lose. I think if you're their GM and the executives there, you sit down and go, I don't think we can win a Super Bowl with Kyler Murray. But at the same time, we're probably not getting anyone better than him anytime soon. And if we let him walk, we are going to face a lot of criticism for not getting him. And we also, if he has any popularity amongst the players, which is entirely possible, you then also run the risk that everyone who's still there questions why they're there. Like, why did I sign a new contract? And now, now I've got a, it's a rebuilding process all of a sudden that we weren't expecting when we had a young quarterback, you know, at the helm. So it's lose-lose. And I think you, you get that in a lot of sports sometimes where you know deep down that they're not good enough, but at the same time, they're too good to let them just walk away. And, and the Cardinals have, and especially you run the risk if you do let him walk away and he somehow does win a Super Bowl somewhere else, then your all-time list of bad moves by a team when the Arizona Cardinals let Kyler Murray walk away for nothing. So, but I'll tell you what, if you told me that the Cardinals had just decided to cut ties with Kyler Murray and instead had brought in Baker Mayfield, for what did they trade for him? A sixth round pick? If you told me that was their move, do I think that the Cardinals are significantly worse next, next season? Probably not. So... Oh, that I might disagree on. I mean, I'm a big Baker fan, but his he's rapidly declining. Talk about being injured all the time. I mean, this is a guy who I don't think has been healthy in three seasons. Okay, let's do <laughs> over-under Kyler Murray next 10 years playoff appearances. What do you set the over-under at? How many, how many years do they just make the playoffs? Yep. Not how many like total playoff games. No, just make um, the playoffs. Six. So you're going to, do you want it at 5.5 or 6.5 as the over under? Give me 5.5 and so, I'll take the over. And you're taking the over. I'm taking the under. <laughs> I just think there's 60% I mean, of the next seasons they're making the playoffs. Yeah. Second best in that division. Uh, I mean, maybe third best. Oh. I, I'm not going to put my stock in a rookie QB that played one season in D2 football. So, Put it this way. Do you think they make the playoffs this season? Uh, how many games is Hopkins out for? <laughs> no, I think it's eight. Six, I think it's, right? Because it, it, it ties into basically when they usually fall off a cliff. Yeah. I don't know. That's going to be tough. I'd have to look at the exact schedule because that's going to be tough to win big games without him. Okay. So I think, we... yes. I think they have a shot to make the playoffs this year. Yes shot to make the playoffs you can say that about 90 percent of the nfl maybe not 90 <laughs> um okay i'll say yes they make the playoffs this year i say they go 10 and 7 and make the playoffs i mean you had to say that they made the playoffs this year. if you've said six out of the next 10 years you you have to say they make it this year because let me make it six out of the next nine if you see what i mean like then you're in you're in real problems. I mean, I've got their schedule up here. Do, do we go through it really? Listeners love it when we do this, but do we go through a quick, I'll just, I'm just going to say the game and give me an instant yes or no, like win or lose, and we see what their schedule gets to. Okay. okay? All right. Week one at the Chiefs. Loss. <laughs> oh, and one. Week two, home for the Raiders. Win. One and one. I think that's a... Optimistic, that's a tough but okay. game, but yeah. Yeah. Week three at the Rams. Loss. Okay, one and two. Week four, home for the Panthers. Win. Two and two. Week five at the Eagles. Win. Three and two. Home for the Card home for the Seahawks. Win. Own the four Seahawks at home. Uh at the Saints. Loss. Can't play in Four that and three. Uh, home for the Vikings. Win. So five and three. At the Seahawks. You've said win already, right? Win. Six and three. Home for the Rams. Uh, Hopkins back. Win. 
No, I'll okay, give it a loss. I mean, I'll give it a loss. No, give we're stopping because you're. No, no. I mean, we, this is just an unrealistic. For you have you have them losing like two games. And I have them winning every winning home game super. so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. And I they're notoriously they not good at home. <laughs> I think they start the season zero and three. Chiefs, I'll tell you Raiders, what, though. Rams. I I am more optimistic they make the playoffs because I think there's a lot. It seems like a very front heavy schedule that they're going to lose anyway. So I'd rather have Hopkins back in the games that they could win. Like whether okay. Hopkins is there or not, I don't let think me, they beat the Chiefs and the Rams. Let me put some Duke a spin then on the reverse. They don't play the Niners either time. They like both are in the back half of the season. So Perfect. Two wins. Po- positive positive spin. Hopkins probably yes. back. Negative spin. Kyler Murray's probably hurt. out. <laughs> Murray's done. Even if we, if you wanted to go even more negative spin, if Trey Lance is good. You're playing him when he's got seven or eight NFL games under his belt. Oh, so boy. I'm, I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> I can't wait till Trey Lance wins. Like just undefeated season breaks every record available. He's going to break his leg week one. It's going to be great. Nah, you can't say stuff like that. <laughs> no, that's bad. That's just bad karma. Well, no, it's not great for him. It's going to be great for the conversation when you then tell me, oh, no, but next year he's going to come back and he's going to be great. No, I mean, I'll say it this way. If he just gets injured, that doesn't affect the – like if he just – if he has a freak injury, it's not like he has – it's different if you drafted someone who you're aware of the fact that they have some chronic injury problem and so you're taking a risk that they're – So you're not worried about Joe Burrows going forward with the fact that he almost had his leg ripped off. Well, no, that's different year. though. That's different because he did have an injury. <laughs> like I'm, Trey Lance doesn't have an injury history. Yeah, that's what no, I'm saying. No, but you're saying. What, what do you? Okay, tell me what. Tell me what you're saying. No, I'm saying. I'm saying Joe Burrow didn't have injury history, and then he came into the NFL, had a mm-hmm. freak injury, and now I think there's a general concern moving forward whether he'll ever like one more hit and he well, might be I, done. I think that's a little extreme, but. <laughs> from a quarterback who just played in the Super Bowl. I think that's a little bit extreme that are people are people within the Bengals organizations just covering their eyes every time he gets sacked? No, I don't think so. But <laughs> I think I think a little bit they well, were if they last were, year. Then why they really letting him get sacked 17 times a game? <laughs> Bad organization. It's a slightly different play calling if that's the if it's that big of a fear. But no, I think look uh, I think if, if he has a freak injury, I think if any player has a freak injury earlier in their career and that drastically affects their potential, or I don't think you can be criticized from that standpoint. If you have someone who has a, an injury history and you take that risk and then it turns out that it backfires, then you could potentially be criticized. But if someone just has, you know, oh, your leg got broken and from then on you were never the same player, what are you going to do about it? I mean, there's just, you know, things like that happen. Well, I guess we've got no flight movie reviews to do. I have a show review for you. Okay. Is it a show I've I, seen? I I don't know. Have, did you watch Slow Horses? No. Oh, on Apple TV. Really good. Oh, is it's that a, the... It's a British spy. Oh, um, okay. I watched the first two episodes. I will disagree with you on that. Really good. Oh, I like it. I liked I it a d- lot. I did not enjoy I gave up on it. And it Gary is, Oldman I, is a treasure. <laughs> Gary Oldman's a very good actor. I don't think that was one of his greatest roles. Oh, I think he did really well in that. Mm. I enjoyed it. I think you just have a thing against Apple TV, personally. What are you talking about? You have about? a think... personal vendetta against Apple TV. What are you talking about? I think I watch every Apple TV TV show. I, what, I thought what, are they, what are they? So Severance, Severance is really good. Okay, you did like Severance. I'll give you that. I think Severance is the best TV show of the year. So, like, Apple TV only has about four TV shows, and I'm putting one of them in the best TV show oh, of the year You would pick that to be your favorite. I'm currently watching Blackbird. Do you like is, Blackbird? It's watchable, but it's not good. Okay. And it's a show that I think doesn't really know what it is. It's kind of straddling the line between realism and just complete absolute nonsense. And it's hard to decipher like which one they really want it to be. But there's like elements of the plot line that are just so out there that you just, they're not in touch with reality. But at the same time, the overall sort of framing of the show is as if it's a sort of serious gritty drama. 
And that's the bit I struggle with slightly. I just, I want it to pick which one it is and stick to it. But the, cause like the concept of the show itself is just nuts in terms of like the world doesn't work this way. I mean, it's not spoiling it by any ways, but it's just a convicted drug dealer is then sent into a maximum security prison to try and get a suspected serial killer to tell them where the bodies are. Because if they can't get the serial killer to give up where the bodies are, he's going to be let free. I mean, based it's just, on true events. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, well, well, in that case, what is it that people, is it based on true events because people have previously gone to prison? Like prisons exist. Therefore it's based on true events. No, it's the actual guy, Jimmy Keene. Oh, this is he so was this like is... sentenced. He was sentenced to prison, but he cut a deal with the FBI to get a confession out of a serial killer. Oh, then it's I based on ret- a true story. Then I have to retract what I said because it seems now maybe then it, it seems completely out there. But I guess uh, I have to I have to take that back then. Although I have to, look I don't in- know how deep it goes, but yeah. I, I know I know that part of it because I know I follow what's his face on Instagram. Uh, huge. Uh, Egerton fan. Edgerton, right? Edgerton, Taron Edgerton. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to look into it then. And I'll, once I finish this, because uh, I, I don't like the idea of like researching before you watch because it's either giving away elements or, you know what I mean? I'll watch the entire season and then I'll do my research and then we can revisit this. And I will then okay. decide how annoyed it makes me. But yeah, I, I thought Slow Horses was good. I, I like all the like spy thriller type stuff. And I think being an American, if it's British too, it definitely bumps it up a notch just because I feel like British do spy better. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, I'd, I'd rather watch like a John le Carre spy, you know, novel turned into a movie kind of thing then you and you want to sell me on a show just start with mi5 and i'm in <laughs> right. Sp- speaking of uh i've now so i watched the a quick bit of the trailer on on the like suggested netflix viewings the other day and then now it's being relentlessly shown to me on like youtube ads and instagram ads but oh, uh, I wonder which one this is. You want to take a guess? Uh, is it Last is... Chance You? No. Oh, is there a new okay. season of Last Chance You out? I don't know. It popped up for me, and I don't know if there's a new season or if it just was like, <laughs> let's revisit t- seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, they do that a lot. It's not a TV show. It's a movie, brand new movie or fairly newish movie. The Gray Room? No, it's you know, cut. It's Persuasion. Okay, just the, go ahead. The the Dakota Johnson movie. I don't know what that is. You don't need to, but she has an English okay. accent in it. And I've now, I picked up on the fact oh, that I gosh. thought her English accent was bad when I saw the little bit of the Netflix trailer, like on the, within the actual But she's app. English. Dakota Johnson? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and her English accent, I've, I've now, I'm, I refuse to watch the movie itself, but I've watched more and more clips from it to just get it, like it gets me slight. It is appallingly bad. What's worse, her English accent or her performance in Fifty Shades of Grey? I've never seen Fifty Shades of Grey, so... I would say her English accent's still better. I mean, I've not seen a lot of stuff with Dakota Johnson in it, but it kind of amazes me. I've never seen anything that she's been good in, I don't think, that I've really enjoyed her in. So it kind of amazes me that she's achieved the level of kind of fame and respect, it seems like, that... Well, I mean, her parents play a large part of that, I think. Yeah. Like the Bad, t- bad Times at the El Royale. Good movie, not because of her. Yeah. I mean, she was in 21 Jump Street. She's barely okay. in 21 Jump Street. Let's not put she, her in that. The Social Network? What's she in The Social Network? It must be remember. a minor role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you just look through her filmography, it's not exactly a... A lot of hits in there. But I do enjoy the back half of our podcast. We just go through filmographies. <laughs> just like an IMDb section. This one is sponsored by IMDb. 
Yeah, I guess that's a sign. I don't know. She oh, actually, the only movie I liked her in, I, I I'll take it back. There was a movie called I think it's like, oh, it's like How to Be Single. That, that could be it. She is in a um and uh, uh, Fat Amy's in it from Pitch Perfect. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> that's it's, really it's How to Be It's How uh, to Be Single. Yeah, and it starred Rebel Wilson yeah. and uh, Damon Wayans Jr. is in it. I think. And Nicholas Braun and uh, Judd Apatow's yeah, yeah, okay. wife. We don't need. We don't need to run too, through you guessing that that's a, that's an yeah. IMDb step too far. We we know what the movie is now. Okay. <laughs> that movie was pretty Can funny. We... I, I I sat and watched through that. Not great, but like I I didn't turn it off. <laughs> Put it that Can way. we agree? This isn't an. I've already criticized, um, not criticized, but added some kind of feedback on on women's football. So I'm going to step into a controversial territory here and not to body shame anyone in in any way. And I hope that both of these people are very, are happy and happy with themselves and are enjoying their lives. Just stop, please. (laughs) Just stop. Just don't finish it. Just stop. Just stop. Just don't. I don't want want to be part of this. I, Rebel Wilson and Adele, I both put into the categories of like, since they've lost weight, they just look weird to me. I, I don't think that's a female thing. I think that's that's all people are like that when they lose a significant amount of weight. There's men who I'd say this too, but in the sense that like, and again, they're obviously healthier and good for them. And I hope that they're happy with how they look like who am I? Like, oh, my opinion on them doesn't matter one bit, but it is one of those things where they actually, even though they're in better shape and stuff. They have, and not that either one of them was, I wasn't sort of particularly attracted to them to start with, but they are less attractive now. Like I always find that interesting where it's like, eh, from an outsider's perspective, I kind of think you looked better before you at least looked more natural. And now you just kind of look like weird, like a weird version of your former self. <laughs> but Eddie, I think the goal isn't to, to, uh, get them to the, to what you think looks the best. I think health is also a concern as well. So <laughs> you want to be your healthiest self. I did mention that. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I mean, we, we, we can make this the other way too, because Jonah Hill was another one. I don't remember that time where Jonah Hill got, got really, really skinny. skinny, or sort of really skinny, yeah. skin, really skinny by Jonah Hill standards. And again, that's not a knock on him, but people were like, "Can you believe how skinny Jonah Hill looks?" And then you looked at him, you're like, "I wouldn't call him skinny, but he's lost a lot of weight, and his face is starting to look kind of gaunt-ish because he'd lost a lot of weight around his face." But yeah, again, he did look. And I'll give you another one, more obscure one: the guy who was in Butterfly Effect and was also the really, really big guy, and he's also in Remember the Titans, the lineman. Oh, he yeah. lost a ton of weight. Who we saw in the Moose once. Really? Yeah, we saw him in the Moose. I mean, I think he—he's probably most famous as being the brother in My Name Is Earl. Yeah, there you go. But but yeah, he's another one. But he—he he looks weird. Like he looks unrecognizable from his former self. But his kind of new Ethan Suple. Yeah, he—he he, kind of suits him. His new body image. I—I'd I, actually put him in a different category. I don't look at him, and I'm not. I'm like, oh, you look like a, like a. Sometimes when you look at some of them, it feels like you're looking at a, um, like, what's it when you go in like a fairground into the the mirrors, the hall of mirrors thing that kind of makes weird adjustments to your body, you know? Like sometimes it looks like you're looking at now Adele in a weird adjusted mirror. But she's healthier, Eddie. Yeah, good for her. And I hope she's happy. At the end of the day. Most importantly, I don't even care about her health. If she's happy, good for her. Who cares about her health? (laughs) I don't care whether Adele's healthy or not. But if she's happy, then that's all that matters. Wasn't being happy part of your mental health? So you only care about her mental health. You yeah. don't care about her physical health. No, her heart her heart could give up tomorrow and I wouldn't care. But as long as her heart and music stayed, yes. you'd be happy. Yes, exactly. As long as she's smiling as it gives up, then we're okay. I guess last thing I just wanted to bring up quickly now that we're on the entertainment side is um, Bruce Springsteen going on tour in uh, 2023. And they just released the ticket prices and they're doing the new, uh, what the hell are they called? They're the dynamic pricing. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called where depending on the demand and where you're at the, the starting ticket price, like ranges, it's kind of like hotels, you know, like depending on like when you're booking a hotel, if it's like high season or weekends and things like that. So the prices 
for the Bruce Spring scene, the base ticket, which probably is going to put you in the absolute nosebleeds of a 70,000 person stadium is between 60 and $399. So assuming where he's most popular going to be like New York, New Jersey area, those are going to probably going to be $400 a ticket to get into the nosebleeds to see like a blip on, on a stage sing. Is it worth it at all to go see one person sing for $400? I would never pay it. But I understand that there would people. you pay for a sporting event? Yes. But I value sporting entertainment way more than I do concerts. Like I enjoy a concert, but to me, like a concert would need to be sort of, I almost need to feel like the concert's cheap. And, and that's, I don't mean that I, I understand there's plenty of people, particularly Bruce Springsteen fans who will pay almost anything. I mean, we Which have one we know. Yeah. One of them. We know who just, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine what she has spent on how rich she would be. Yeah. I can't imagine what kind of a house she'd have. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I mean, to, I, she spent at least one summer entirely following Bruce Springsteen around city to city. I mean, she went to like 15 of his shows in the summer. So like, even if you're saying a hundred, a ticket, you know, you're already, it's a decent expenditure, but I'm sure paying way more than that for most of those. And then you throw in all of the other expenses related to just going to see a concert, which is even crazier, but I'm, yeah, I wouldn't. And I do think the dynamic pricing kind of makes sense, although it doesn't make sense to me for someone like Bruce Springsteen, where he is just so popular and people will you know, lose their minds over the prospect of going to see Bruce Springsteen. So how does the dynamic pricing work? Because if Bruce Springsteen finds, find out that, oh, hold on, I know I live in New York, but it turns out there's a much cheaper show going on like three weeks later in Nashville, then they're just snapping up the Nashville tickets. You know, and then if the market is kind of adjusting in any way, then the prices in Nashville are instantly through the roof. Like, I can get the concept of dynamic tickets, Steve, for a smaller band where you're like, look, if you want to come and see us on a Wednesday in a smaller venue, like that suits us a lot more, we'll be cheap. But our big Friday night show is going to be a lot more expensive because that's an easier sell. But when you're a band where you're like, look, we're going to sell out everywhere, every time, no matter what. I mean, Bruce Springsteen could say, I'm going to be playing my show you know, in Baghdad and the, the it kicks off at 3 a.m. and he's selling out. Yeah, probably is. No, I mean, he's selling out. It'd almost be a... Opening up with Born in the USA. Yeah. If you're, if you're Bruce Springsteen, I think it would almost be like a challenge to be like, what, how hard could we make this for, for us to sell out? And not that you want to abuse your fans in that way and kind of take them for granted, but it would be interesting to think of like how easily... Like how we could sell out the most difficult venue in the world, probably. I, I'm also going to say, I think in relating to the sporting events, you know, people will make the argument because my argument would be for not seeing a concert is like, well, I can just get the CD where he sings the song better or I can get the live concert CD. And people will make the argument, well, you can just watch the sporting event on the TV as well. But I think the difference is when you go to a concert, for the most part, you're getting the same experience every concert. You know, whereas in a sporting event, it's a one-time thing. It's not like if you go see the Giants play week one, the exact same result's going to happen when you see them play on week three. You know, like it's it's a one-time, you could be watching a once-in-a-lifetime event versus in a concert, yes, for you, it might be a once-in-a-lifetime because you only get to see Bruce once. But in the grand scheme of things, Bruce is playing a very similar concert every day for the next or every other day whatever for the next three months i do agree with you and i think you're right for the but i do think that there are plenty of people out there who would just disagree with us like i'm in the same i think there would be, I, I know i i think there are there would be music <laughs> lovers out there who would just go no you don't get it like you don't understand how special a, like a concert and the, it, the atmosphere and the just the feeling within a within a venue like it can just be radically different so and look the Part of me thinks I've had concert experiences that probably that, I mean, look, I think when we went to the Kesha concert together, I think because of the- Great. Va- I, we actually, I, I discussed that in, in length at, uh, on my last trip. <laughs> but I think because of the venue that we saw her at, I think we had a fairly unique Kesha experience because I think the vast majority of people who will have gone to Kesha concerts, particularly in that time period when she was in her prime, would have seen her in like much larger venues and just it, the whole overall experience would have been- different so 
I can get how people can disagree, but yeah, fundamentally, his okay. The set list might be slightly altered, and they might play a slightly different version. And one time, one person plays a solo, and the next time, a different person plays a solo. And like the, you know, the things he the kind of filler talk in between songs might be a little bit different. But yeah, fundamentally, you are seeing kind of the same thing. Whereas, yes, you. But then, I mean. People who don't enjoy football would say, I go to a Giants game and I see a bunch of guys carry the ball or throw the ball. And then at the end of the day, you tell me that the score is one thing or the other. Who cares? So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that, man. Call of the day. Cheerio. Yeah.